96-7W. Classified top secret subject is... Hey, kids! Comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. Shiny, lovely, happy people, and welcome to another Hey Kids Comics, the last episode of 2011. It's very sad, isn't it? Mm. I hope you all had a good Christmas. Oh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's been Christmas, hasn't it? Yes, it's been Christmas. <laughs> for everybody listening to this, for everyone out there in listener land, it has been Christmas. Oh, we had a good time, didn't we? It was great. It was grand. All those presents I got. All those presents you got. Which we'll be covering next week. Which we'll be covering next week, yes. Uh, But this, this week, now that you've all stuffed yourself on whatever it is you choose to eat over the holiday period, uh, is one of those, we sit back and do as little work as possible and read your email shows. Because we are, by and large, lazy buggers, aren't we? Yep. And we couldn't be bothered doing anything over Christmas, could we? Yes. (laughs) Excellent. Are you here at this moment in time? Yeah. Is this not too early for you? Because this is another one of those early morning recordings, as opposed to the late night recordings we normally do. Well, I say late night. Anyway, we'll get right into it. Our first email was all the way back from the 6th of October. It was entitled Catholic... I can never say that word. Catholicism. Thank Catholicism. I like Ike, etc. And was for the illustrious, from, I say from, the illustrious Luke Giaconetti. Hey there, Leylands! Hey there, dude. Hey, Luke. Two quick beats of feedback from your Daredevil episode, which was years ago, wasn't it? I said years. So many years ago. Yeah. Back when I was a young lad. When ye were a young'un. Did you turn 16 at that point? Yeah, you had, hadn't you? No. No, you hadn't, had you? Blimey, you were still 15 when this was October. Yes, you had. Do you know your own birthday? But no, I'm sure we covered the dirt of one before. Right, well, regarding confession in a Catholic church, as a Catholic, I can say that it really depends on the church. The cliché of someone receiving confession any time of day or night is just that, a cliché. In my experiences, most churches have hours when at least one priest will be available for confession. Also, to continue in the Catholic Church, you have the option of doing your confession face-to-face, unlike pretty much every film and TV show which shows the penitent going to confession behind the anonymous screen. At least this is how it works in the United States. Regarding I Like Ike, that was the campaign slogan for Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was elected President of the US in 1953 and served until 1961. His nickname was Ike from childhood and it stuck. Good episode, even though I have little interest in Daredevil. I like the movie, but have found the character to be unoriginal and uninteresting to me in print. He started off as a Spider-Man wannabe, then became a Green Arrow wannabe, then a Batman wannabe, and that brings us up to the present. But that's just my opinion. I might be wrong. By the way, Hawkman is not complicated, unless you're trying to explain him and his various incarnations. Keep up the good work, Luke. I can try with that. I read it in Brightest Day. Did you? And they bring in all the incarnations. Oh, do they? Yeah. Uh, I've not read Brightest Day. It's alright. Not a word. 
of all the different incarnations of Hawkman. Um, I do like that he says he's not complicated until you try to explain it. Uh. <laughs> Which kind of implies that it's a tiny bit complicated. Uh, a couple of people got in touch with us about the I Like Ike thing, which I think I mentioned I knew from an early issue of Spider-Man. Yeah. One of the Lee Ditko ones. And Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Okay. It's mentioned in that. Um, Daredevil, do you have anything to say about Daredevil though? He did start as a Spider-Man wannabe. I don't know about the Green Arrow yeah. wannabe. I think... Daredevil became a, a sitcom mm. halfway through Stan Lee's run. When have you read any of that stuff where no. Matt Murdock was pretending to be Mike Murdock, his own twin brother? No. Comedy gold. The only Daredevil stuff I've read is the Frank Miller omnibus and the Mark Wade stuff. Right. Which I think is really damn. So up. you only know Daredevil when Mark Miller, Mark Miller, Frank Miller turned him into Detective Noir. Yeah. At one point. Mm-hmm. Which is essentially what he did, isn't it? He yeah. took a superhero comic and made it a detective noir comic. And the ultimate stuff, I suppose. And the ultimate stuff, I suppose, yeah. But that's, that's not... That doesn't count. Does it not? The ultimate oh, well, I thought we were going to do the ultimates when the Avengers came out. Well, they've, like, rebooted it twice now, have they? It? Well, I've only read the Mark Miller, Brian Hitch the stuff. The ultimatum stuff, and then the the new Death of Spider-Man stuff, which crosses over into all the ultimate books. Right. Oh, I'll take your word for it. I've not read any of that. Uh, I've never read any Hawkman either. So I have no no opinion on Hartman either way. I did quite like Michael Shanks in Smallville as Hartman. In the GSA one? Yeah, yeah. I quite liked him. I don't know how faithful he was to the comics, but I quite liked him. The next email, Justice League Reboots, was from Sean Engel, a.k.a. the Mighty Joe Anthrax, who we're going to say thank you to again, because he gave us a, a tip. Yeah. Did we did we just ruin his name? No. We he said he's, 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 he's not it? bothered, which name oh, we use, right. he said. Well, at least that's what he's told me. I hope yeah. he's not lying to me and he's now sat at home going, Damn you! Now everyone knows my secret identity. Everyone knows is a lie. my secret identity! He has to take his mask off now. Yes, and, and make an ill advised pronouncement on news that will then be wiped away retroactively by the next writer who comes in. Okay. Would that you could do that in real life? Jeff yeah, Jones will be having a hoot and a half. Uh, hello, Andrew and Michael. Hello. See, you said my name first. Finally, a podcast where I actually have the three comics that podcasters are discussing in physical form in front of me. You'd be surprised how many shows I listen to where I have to envision the scenes as the podcasters relay the story. Thankfully, you, amongst other podcasters, are able to do that with great ease, which makes for good shows for those of us who aren't the avid collectors. Would you say we're avid collectors? Because I think there's enormous gaps in my knowledge of certain things. I know more Marvel than I do DC. Yeah. And I know more Marvel pre-1987-ish. Because I think that's my golden era of comics from about 1979. Yeah. When my nan first bought me that Superman and Batman annual in 1979. Through to about 87 when I left high school. And I went through that. I'm too old to be reading this childish material stuff and I stopped reading comics for a bit. And then I went out and bought them all again. When I realised that screw all the people, I don't care what they say. Uh, so that's my golden period. I don't I really think. collect much. No, you just read what I've got well, with the occasional diversion into your own well, stuff. I prefer my DC and Vertigo. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, Sean, Joe, continues. I fell into the trap about the Justice League International the same way you did, Andrew, hearing great things about the stories, humour and characters, but having them being the second string heroes, I gave the book a pass. Later, when Superman joined the League, which Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor are covering on From Crisis to Crisis, I decided to jump onto the book. But with Giffen and DeMatheis replaced by Dan Jurgens, the stories had a different feel. 
I still enjoyed the characters. Guy Gardner is still my favourite comic book character, douchiness aside. So I stuck with the title until its eventual demise, where the team was being led by Wonder Woman and had Obsidian, Metamorphon, Blue Devil in its ranks. It wasn't until recently that I tracked down the Giffen run-through trades and found it to live up to all the hype. Many people call it the Boahat Hat League and dismiss it as all silliness. That is not the case. I have found that I was able to balance the fun and action in a way that made for a great comic, and what should be an example of books today. It saddens, angers me that the DC muckety-mucks did with this era of the League, killing off Ralph and Sue Dibney, executing Ted Blue Beetle Cord, turning Maxwell Lord into a supervillain, and try to sweep away the series, but this still always remains one of my favourite comic runs ever. Have you read any more of that? Um, no, I only read the first one. Because you like it's really good. Mm. It is dismissed as being superhero sitcom, which is what Joe's saying, essentially, though. Yeah. But it isn't. Well, there's a part of me that can't really read it, knowing that Maxwell Lord's yeah, knowing a bad what guy afterwards. Yeah. yeah, it does. It is kind of bittersweet Even now. When I, I read Invasion not long ago, before I read Doom Troll, and it was just like, but, but he's a bad guy. Why yeah. is he doing this? They have kind of screwed yeah. the pooch on that one a bit. It's a great series. I, I really do enjoy that Justice League book, and I got them all in the fifty p bins. And Guy Gardner is a douche, but. He's an interesting character underneath his douchiness. He's grown less of a douche. Yes, as he, well, in the current continuity, the New 52, yeah. Guy Gardner is less of a douche than Hal Jordan. Yeah. Hal Jordan's just a jerk in the Justice League book at the minute, isn't he? Yeah. We've just read issue number four to give it some context. I've just read issue he's number four. He's even more of a douche. Yes, that. he's even more of a knob in that one. <laughs> Barry, you'll give away your secret identity. Oh, cheers. Thanks for that, Hal. <laughs> Dumbass. You know, Hal Jordan. <sighs> What a plank. Works out fairy sir, Craft. Hey, Superman, come over here. Clark! Clark! Don't tell anyone your secret! What a divot. The JLA, Joe continues, was a continuation of the end of the Justice League International era, but with the Magnificent Seven as the main group. Morrison did a great job at telling interesting and engaging stories, but later into the run, the writing just got re goddamn ridiculous. Mm. I remember a story art that involved Superman fighting yes. angels. That's Let that sink in. Not Fanagurians, not folks with metal wings, angels. Yeah. As in the right hand of God stuff. Is that right? It's early on in the. the, um, the which which hardcover is that in? The first, I think. It's is when... it? Because I've read the first hardcover and I don't remember that I, story I being in the first hardcover. It's the one with the, the angel dude joining the Justice League and he's like, oh. Okay. Oh, that's a what? No, he's talking about a later story. You're on about the one issue. You're not on about the one issue no, one. No, no. Or it's a robot. It's the robot. No, and then this big god-type angel thing turned out to be like a minotaur with a ring in its nose and everything. Right. Okay. All right, fair enough. I've, you, I've not read all of that run yet. In fact, they even had an angel on the League for a while, the email yeah. continues. Presumably since they weren't allowed to use the Hawkman character due to his complicated continuity. Well, that irks me, that, because whose fault is the complicated continuity? It's DC. Yeah. It's their fault. I did like the run as it expanded on the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern character and made his friendship with the Wally West Flash develop organically, expanding from a perception of unworthiness by Wally to an eventual understanding of how the two of them were trying their best to carry on the legacy of their predecessors. It is sadly something that was defecated on by the recent return of both Hal and Barry. Well, I like Hal, prefer Hal and Barry. Do you? Well, yeah. I, I don't See, know why. for all the belly aching about we want to return these characters back to their iconic status, I think bringing back Hal and Barry has annoyed more well, people than it's pleased. To be honest, Hal and Barry aren't returning for me because I grew up with 
Kyle, John Stewart even, and Wally West. So to me, Hal and Barry aren't returning, they're new. Which they are in the I, new I, 52. I know, I know they are returning because I've read them like, dying and stuff, and the stuff before they died, but they are new to me because... I get yeah. See, I, I'm kind of in that middle ground. I knew Hal Jordan and Barry Allen were the Flash and the Green Lantern, but I never really read Flash and Green Lantern as yeah. a kid. My DC reading was quite limited. So when they did the relaunch in 85, 86, mm. Barry was dead yeah. and Wally West was the Flash. And I'd grown up with Wally West being Kid Flash in the Teen Titans, so him becoming the Flash didn't bother me. Because it was like, all right, it's the same guy I've been reading about for the past six years. I don't mind that. And this brings us to the Johns Lee Justice League. Well, you know the <laughs> adage about having oh yeah. Well, you know the adage about not saying anything if you can't say something nice. I have very little to say about this issue. Al is a cocky douche, the like. <laughs> the likes guy was and Superman seems to have the same level of cockiness Hal does the art is nice and all but I agree with you in that I don't think Lee will be able to keep up with the comic and well issue seven as of this point he's already got Gene Ha is it seven and eight he's having to have fill in artists for yeah right Okay. The art is nice and all, but I agree with you. Oh, I've just read that. I agree with all your points about this issue and think the story was a poster was what was supposed to be the flagship of the new DC comics. And yes, I'm curious as well as to who the purple cloak raven looking girl is and how long it will be before all of this is retconned back to the way it was. Anyway, I can't wait to hear what the other books in the new 52 you've picked up and what you think of them. Until next time, love the show, Steve. Sean Engel, aka Joe Anthrax. You know, Thanks, Sean. The purple woman, she's coming back in Justice League. When? I don't know, but in, you know the back bits that ruin the end of Batman 3 for us? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we get for reading the back page um, first. <laughs> it, it did mention that she's next to be seen in Justice League. Right, fair enough. Okay. Our next email is from Michael Bailey. Okay. Hello, Michael. Andrew and Michael, says Michael. Okay. Which always confuses me when I'm reading an email from Michael sat next to somebody called Michael. Michael A and Michael B. Michael A and Michael B. He would be Michael B, because he's Michael Bell. I'd be Michael A. Well, you'd be Michael L. Oh. Technically. I've been meaning to write in for weeks, but unlike the classic Rolling Stones song, time has not, in fact, been on my side. Time has been a wolf at the door, actually snarling and occasionally wanting to be fed. Today I listened to the latest episode about the Justice League relaunches and felt this was the perfect opportunity for me to add some fun facts and my own two cents, or point not one two six UK pounds, to the conversation. Point not one two six UK pounds doesn't go very far at the moment, does it? Not really. In fact, nothing seems to be going very far at the moment. I liked what Yellow Card said about money. It's what? just like you guys are rich, I and mean, for every one dollar, you guys have got two pounds. <laughs> <laughs> don't work well the other way around uh, uh, number one your coverage of Justice League 1 was fantastic and I'm glad that Andrew liked what he read while I'm a big proponent of the Magnificent Seven as Mark Wade or Grant Morrison called them as the pillars of the DC universe and as much as I like seeing Superman Batman Wonder Woman Green Lantern Flash Aquaman and Martian Manhunter as the Justice League I also like the so-called B or C listers making up the roster because in the end you can do a lot more with them as far as character development Superman Batman and the other heroes have their own title or titles are somewhat hampered by the fact that the writer of whatever team they are on is dealing with what is going on in the main book Look at the Justice League of the past three or four years. DC makes this huge push that the big guns are back and then slowly Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman have to leave the group because of events going on in their own books. You can't have Batman supposedly die and then have him fighting with the JLA the next month without it being a flashback. So you can do more with Blue Beetle or Booster Gold because those toys belong to the writer of the team book. Sure, it got a little silly. 
Alright, a lot silly, but the Giffen de Mateus League is a lot of fun and would have a few issues of goofiness followed by Despero coming in and killing a bunch of people. Yeah, that was a really good one. Yeah. where Despero comes down and, and just slaughters people and it was kind of like the writers responding to the criticism that this is just a sitcom yeah it was really good I, I enjoyed that run um, again made up that I picked it up in 50p events it was also insanely popular continues Michael Bailey Justice League launched in 1987, becoming Justice League International seven issues later. In 1989, the DC launched Justice League Europe, with Justice League International turning into Justice League America. In 1990, Justice League Quarterly came out. You need a scorecard. <laughs> the party was sort of over by 1992, when Giffen and DeMatteis left the title, leaving it in the hands of Dan Jurgens. Justice League Europe stayed in the hands of scripter Gerard Jones, and was £16 of strange stuff into an eight-ounce bag. Later, in 1993, Justice League Task Force started up, with the idea that you could have different storylines with a team of heroes calling themselves the Justice League and get another title out of the deal. You guys are probably reading a few issues of that series for your Night's Quest episodes. Yes, we did. And we didn't think much of them, did we? Well, I didn't read them. Oh, no, you didn't, you you didn't even not bother, bother reading no, them, did you? told me not to bother, so should I read them, Dad? Nah, don't bother. No, you didn't really need to. Justice League International came to an end in 1994, and soon Extreme Justice took its place. That is so 90s. Is it? Extreme Justice. Put, put an X on that, and that's an X-Men book. Yeah, did, did it knock off the E before the uh, X? Yes, because it was the 90s. Yes. Overall, Michael continues, I liked Extreme Justice, which had a great team of heroes and lousy, lousy art. <laughs> Who was the artist then? Don't know. Yeah, well, you can't leave us hanging like that. <laughs> Justice League Task Force eventually turned into a book about Martian Manhunter training the next generation of heroes and was really rather good. All of this crashed in 1995 and 1996. Justice League America became Miss, Miss and More Miss with one or two hits after Zero Hour and that is why DC decided to revamp the team in 1996. I recommend checking out Justice League A Midsummer's Nightmare if you haven't read it because that is the miniseries that led into JLA number one. I think I've got JLA. I think I've got that. Midsummer's okay. Nightmare. Mark Wade did it, I think. Okay. I'm sure he did. And Brian Augustine. I never know how to pronounce that name. Speaking of JLA number one, number two, I loved JLA. JLA was a big freaking deal when it hit in 1996. It hit just after Kingdom Come came out. And like Kingdom Come and the previously mentioned Justice League and Midsummer's Nightmare, the JLA series proper, JLA, the JLA series proper seemed to be a reaction to the grimmer and gritty elements of the 90s. It wasn't all crap, but things were a bit bleak, especially with the speculator crash really hitting hard. When JLA came out, it felt like comics could be fun and exciting again. And I believe that the series kicked off the awesome source that was DC in the mid to late 90s. Eventually, JLA became a brand name of sorts, and DC would not only release tons of specials and miniseries, but also give JLA a lot of support when it comes to marketing. In 1997, there was a JLA month where there was a Secret Files and Origins, a special JLA gallery full of neat pinups, a t-shirt, and even a team-up issue with images Wildcats. For a while, though, you couldn't throw a stick without hitting something related to the Justice League. It was a fun time, and the book kept on being good right up until the last issue of Morrison's Rum, where he did his usual, I'm going to end this on a crap note thing. Is that true? Sort of, yeah. Is it, yeah. It was fun while it lasted. See, I, when we covered the Justice League, I had only intended on covering the first issue because it's a lot of work as it is. Yeah. But I ended up reading that entire first hardcover. Yeah. And I still maintain, if you're going to make a JLA movie... That first four-issue story out that Grant Morrison wrote for that series would make a perfect Justice mm. League movie. Yeah. It really would. It was really good. Well, I've, I've told you this. I've not what There's this comic website I go on and they compared the JLA to the new Justice League. He said, with JLA, Morrison and Potter gave you a story that you could read, whereas Johns and Lee have just given you a celebrity sex tape. <laughs> 
What, badly lit? Yeah. <laughs> Night vision. <laughs> badly dubbed over. Badly dubbed. Uh, Michael continues, speaking of Wally and Kyle, you mentioned at one point in the show that Kyle and Wally didn't really get along at first and that Wally seemed to not like this upstart new hero. That's something that always annoyed the crap out of me, mainly because Wade established that Wally went through a period where everyone would compare him to Barry. And he hated it. So of all the heroes that would understand having to step into a legacy, it should be Wally. There is a difference, of course. Wally had been a hero for some time before becoming the Flash. Whereas Kyle went outside to get some air and receive the most powerful weapon in the universe on a fluke. But at the same time, I thought it was unnecessary drama to have the two not like each other. Number three. The New Justice League number one. Honestly, I have no idea what to think. I didn't hate the issue, but I didn't particularly like it either. Most of my sticking points were the negative notes you had for it, so I don't feel the need to go into them here. In any case, I was surprised if six issues go by without a delay of some sort. Excellent show as always. Looking forward to next week's episode, and y'all take care. Michael. I like that he says y'all, because he's in Georgia. I think think that's quite cool. Um, As of this point, as I've just mentioned, we are four issues, Michael, you've not read number four yet, into the new Justice League. And... Yeah, getting better. My opinion of it has not changed in many ways. It's readable in the way that a lot of flashy 90s comics were readable. Mm. But it's not... I don't know, it's not... It's not as good as the Morrison four-issue story arc. I don't know. If you were going to do this story, I still maintain you should have done the first issue as a double or triple-sized issue yeah. with for the same money. Don't milk people for more money. Oh, and get the introductions and the origin all out the way. Or even have them like, do the story and then at the back do what 52 did. Yeah. We do like two-page origin yeah. stories. Yeah, do something like that. I, I, I just... Hmm. Oh, I flipped through issue four <clears throat> and it's mostly just splash pages. And what, yes. what's annoyed me was the bit at the end, you know they do like profile bit yes have you seen The Flash's first appearance yes I've read The Flash Justice League 1 yeah he didn't appear in Justice League 1 Justice League 2 and his first appearance was The Flash 1 yeah but see The Flash 1 is now set now isn't it so this is what's confusing to me what is set in the past and what is set now but um, just the, the first six issues of Justice League are all set in the past aren't they? and Action Comics is in the past but how far because Green Lantern yeah. doesn't think Batman's real. No. And as of issue four, I'm not giving anything away here, he doesn't think Aquaman's real. Yeah. And he's and surprised that Superman's su- real. There's two different Supermans. In fact, the most interesting character in that one so far to me is the Flash and Wonder Woman. Yeah. I love that the Flash is a hero for the, the sake of being a hero. Yeah. Which is something DC seems to have forgotten how to do. And Wonder Woman's been, this was a glorious battle! She's just so Klingon, it's funny. <laughs> This is a good day to die. And like, and, and Flash is like, wait, even die? I'm not sure about that. But yeah, no, my complaints on Justice League still stand. It's still getting better. It's the art's pretty, but yeah. your, your mum made a funny joke yesterday that we got to the train station, come home from Manchester having Christmas shopped, yeah. and your mum, I said, normally I'd read a book sat on the train. She said, you're not brought one, but you've got your comics. I said, yeah, but it's only four minutes before the train arrives. Yeah. And she said, yeah, but you could read a new comic in four minutes. Yeah. So if your mum's saying that, she must know something's awry somewhere. Next mail, Yummy Mummy and So Forth by Luke Giaconetti. So far we're just batting between Luke and Michael. Yeah. Uh, this Joe came in on the 18th of October, and Joe pops up every now and again to say, Hi! Yeah. Showed you. <laughs> that campy voice. No, I, I really, no, he really doesn't have a campy voice. I don't know where that came from. I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> I don't know. We do camp. I'm, well. not, I'm not very good at it. I can't do it with a straight face. 
But, um, uh, howdy, Leyland. Hi, Luke. Oh, I just want to mention as well, in some cases I have merged emails together where they've got back to me and added a bit to a previous email. Oh, okay. So in some cases I've edited emails into one. Okay. To make it easier for me to read. Hello, Luke. Thanks for your coverage of the various Justice League reboots. I have never read the Bwahaha League, but I did read the first few arcs of Morrison's JLA run a few years back. This is the sort of crazy story that Morrison works best at, I think, yeah. because he has the space to use some of his wacky ideas, but does not have free reign and ultimately has to answer to an editor. This keeps his stuff from getting too out there like we get nowadays. The Hyper Clan is one of his best creations, as far as I am concerned, and he handles the various league as well, too. All in all, a very strong debut for that series. See, I'm, I, I'm, I'm 100% in agreement with that. But I prefer his outlaw stuff. So that's the point. You are a fan of Grant Morrison. Yeah. So the wackier Grant Morrison gets, yeah. the more you like See, it. I thought JLA was a good read, but ultimately disappointed. Whereas I, I wasn't looking forward to it, because I am, at this point, I am used to wacky Grant talks to bizarre voices in his head <laughs> while supping on peyote. Yeah. And... I read Justice League, and it's a damn good superhero comic, with just enough of Morrison's wacky, out-there, weird ideas to make you go, wow, this is really quite good. Yeah. It's more of, instead of Justice League fighting criminals below them, they're fighting gods and aliens. Yeah, they're fighting the kind of wacky, insane, godlike beings that Morrison seems to come up with four of them before breakfast. Yeah. And, but then at that time as well as doing that he was also doing his Vertigo stuff yeah. so he was allowed to be off doing his wacky stuff in the Doom Patrol and yeah. the filth and then he would rein himself in to do Justice League and one million in yeah. many ways whereas now he just seems to have mixed the two together and I don't find him as effective now mm. as I did then yeah I'm finding his current stuff quite disappointing the, the all of the see, action comics all yes. the people have said to me that you need to read all of his Batman run together, yeah, yeah. and it will make sense. But the problem with that is, there's too much. Yeah, and but it's, it's like Final Crisis as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, but I don't want to. My favorite DC stuff is either All Star or his Batman Final Crisis stuff. See, I re- I really like Final Crisis. Yes, whereas really, I was really, like, really, what really the hell is this? You have to read it three times. Well, haven't you read it? Did you read it? And then read it again. Yeah. And then read it again. I read it past my Batman reading. Yeah. And then you were like, ah, that's why that happened. Because yeah. I remember it, you were very excited to read that. You, you've got to read it three times, once upside down, once backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and once purely at random. Yeah. You just choose out the odd page, rip them up, throw them on the floor. Throw them on the floor in any order. <laughs> and suddenly Final Crisis makes yeah. sense. <laughs> If you read it in Genius. The, if you read it in the right way, Batman doesn't die but comes back to time. Excellent. Yeah. I'm very impressed with that. Anyway, we digressed a bit though. <laughs> Luke carries on. For the new fifty two I did not buy Justice League, but my brother is close friends with one of the creators of the book, Tiny Titans. Yes. Got a copy from a him which he then gave to me. Tiny Titans. Yeah. I don't think I've read it. There's one story where um, they're all like, who's this mysterious purple woman? Don't know, let's go find out. So they capture her, and then unmask her, and it turns out to be Ambush Bug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, I thought this was actually really good. I can see the merit of having a double-sized issue which introduces the team, perhaps by having them already working together to battle some threat, but the promise of having their origin story told afterwards. 
But given that we are going in this direction, the way which John's handled the first issue, and if the solicits to be believed will be handling future issues, by putting a spotlight on one main character each issue, with the Batman as sort of the audience identification, is a smart way to go. The leaguer who gets the spotlight gets to shine, and Batman, being the detective, gets to make expositional comments about them, like he does about Green Lantern in this issue. Yeah, That's not followed that. up, though, has it? Wait, sort of. I mean, you get the Flash... And Superman in the second yeah, issue. Yeah, they, they've Wonder done what Woman Luke said. They've yeah. introduced a new character in each issue. But Batman is burly in issue number four. Is it? Yeah. Mm. Very, very burly in it. So they've kind of done that. Well, maybe he just stood there, looked at all the Yeah, dots, pretty much he I just stands there. And it's just like, alright, you're on your own, guys. There is one genius panel in yeah. issue number four of Justice League. Um, Superman gets shot in the head with a bullet. And the yeah. bullet just bounces off his forehead. And the expression on his face is, what the hell was that? <laughs> it's a genius panel in an otherwise burly adequate book. Luke's email continues. Of course this praise may be mitigated by the fact that I did not actually pay for this issue, so take my thoughts with a grain of salt. Regarding the term yummy mummy, oh yeah, do you remember our yummy mummy mm. conversation? That unfortunately doesn't work over here because mummy is only used in the context of Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> Drinking the brew of Tana leaves and shambling around choking the life out of those who defiled the tomb of Princess Anaka and so forth. Also, bizarrely enough, Yummy Mummy was the name of a short-lived breakfast cereal here. Not sure if you guys get the monster cereals or not, but the trio of Count Chocula, Frankenberry and Booberry were joined in the 80s by Fruity Yummy Mummy. Fruity Yummy Mummy is a porn film just waiting to be happened. Oh, dear. Or a superhero, Fruity Yummy Mummy. Oh. Yes, you stop. Mintberry Crunch. Yes, or as I like to call him, King Fruit Enkerman. <laughs> I can't pronounce that right, but it's very funny. Fruity Yummy Mummy itself was a replacement of the 70s fruity monster cereal called Fruit Brute, which is probably best known at this point for its cameo appearance in Reservoir Dogs. Um, I'm starting to understand how my American audience feels when we talk about chip bombs. Yeah. I have no idea what any of that stuff was. Fry on bread. We have the Honey Monster... Yeah. Who's um, what, what, what does he sell when he wants the sugar puffs? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We, we have no idea what any of that stuff is. We don't have Captain Crunch or no. any of them. No, or Count Chocula or any of that. Uh, also, the 399 books are 40 pages, while the 299 ones are 32 pages. This is carried over from the, price, the previous pricing strategy. The extra pages are either backups, like All Star Western and the Superlative Men of War, or bonus material like Justice League. Even then, Action Comics, you're paying £4 yes, for Action Comics, this, where it's 22 pages. I was just about to make the same point. They right, may okay. be charging more, but are those 40 pages really worth the extra dollar? In fact, issue three of Action Comics was less. Yeah, I, I don't like it. No, because yesterday buying um, Nightwing and Justice League, I didn't have enough money because that one's an extra dollar, yeah. and the extra dollars worth of materials not worth it. It's yeah. not worth the extra money. Yeah, in my humble opinion character information and a flash. Yeah, well, it still only took me a, a visit to the toilet to read Justice League Four. Yeah, whereas I've been reading. Um, the Green Goblin miniseries that I picked up not miniseries it got cancelled at issue 13 yeah. and Bronze Age Superman's all of which I got at Thought Bubble and they've been taking me much longer to read well Doom Patrol's taking me a lot longer to read yeah Doom Patrol's wacky though isn't it, it, it it's fun the picture that ate Paris yeah that, that's fun as well yeah I read that one uh, by the way just heard Andy on the Two True Freaks Return of the Jedi comic adaptation show and I have to say I may have to move the Jedi novelization up on my reading list thanks to your notes and comments oh uh, yeah they're finally catching on to you whoring yourself out oh yeah 
I'll go to anyone who'll have me, <laughs> provided I've got the time, which is increasingly yeah. in short supply. Um, Luke, P.S. Regarding not having any monster cereal in the UK, you poor bastard. It's cereal with marshmallows in it. Marshmallows! Ah, uh, Lucky Keep Charms. Keep it up, boys. Oh, we do have Lucky Charms. Do they? Yeah. Do they have marshmallows in? Yeah. I don't. I don't. See, I don't have breakfast cereal. I'll occasionally have cornflakes or Weetabix, but I like toast you in have to, You have to eat them with uh, Guinness, though. With Guinness? They are Irish. Oh, <laughs> uh, speaking of Irish, do you see what I did with that segue? Yeah. Dave Walker emailed us in with the said, li- said line. Headline, another great episode from the 21st of October. Hey guys, just finished your new 52 Action Comics and Superman episode, and as usual, it was great. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. I enjoyed both issues, but I think I had more issues with the Superman issue. It's probably just the small villization of the character and the way they're seemingly making him more apart from humanity as both Clark and Superman. Maybe I'm wrong, and they have a plan for future issues, but at least it wasn't enough to spoil my enjoyment of it. Sure. Also, they have a plan. Yeah, it is hard to believe that. Yeah. Also, since you're having trouble remembering it, Wally West is married to Linda Park. Yes. And Barry Allen was married to Iris West, Wally's aunt. Thing uh-huh. is, I don't know for sure who current kid Flash is. And since in the new 52, Barry and Iris aren't together, which means no kids and no grandkids, it could be that they're doing some Back to the Future type stuff where Bart is concerned. Or it could be they've de-aged Wally. Oh, I don't know, but I've not really it. looked since I want to find out through reading the actual comics, in this case the Teen Titans, who the character is and how he fits into the new universe. I think that's the way it's supposed to work. Thanks again, Dave Walker. Um, Wally West doesn't exist anymore, does he? Nope. He doesn't exist and has never existed. No. Which is slightly irritating. Yeah. To be honest with you. Because I quite like Wally West. So Wally West never existed, but uh, Jenny Sparks still died. Yes. Yeah. But Jenny Sparks isn't in... No, the um, IGN have done the new 52 graveyard which is characters who were in the old ones right and said did they still happen did they still die did they still well exist? death is death now in the new DC universe yeah apparently because Blackest Night still happened uh, Dave does Flash Legacies uh, which is a podcast which is really good check it out um, <laughs> relaunch month-ish is from Steve Lacey we love Steven Hello, Stephen. Hello. Uh, it's about time I got around to writing this email, he said, on the 27th of October. Steve from 20-minute long box here. You don't need to introduce yourself, Steve. We know who you are. With a bit of feedback on your relaunch month episodes. Well, some of them anyway. First of all, woo! A Daredevil episode. And you chose the first Daredevil issue I ever read, the Smith Quizada number one. I first found the Guardian Devil trade paperback in the teen section at Gloucestershire Library in the early 2000s. I picked it up solely on the basis of Kevin Smith's name. I remember there was an introduction written by Ben Affleck, which talked of his love for Daredevil, how the conclusion of the D.D. Bullseye fight after the death of Elektra completely changed his views when it came to reading comics. As one of the first stories I ever read in comics, I really enjoyed it, and it gave me an introduction to the character, one I'm still buying today. You talk about the wordiness of the book, and it's something Smith himself refers to in his introduction to the Green Arrow Quiver trade paperback. But I like this. It makes me stay with the issue book longer, and when dull well, it opens up the characters more to me. Yeah, I don't... I don't think I minded it. I do like that if I've shelled out money for this, yeah. I want to be able to actually read the well, thing. Even that Ultimate Spider-Man book, you dissed for it just being a lot of talking. you still got something to read out of it. It depends which Ultimate Spider-Man one it is. Yeah. There is that, a lot of... a hit and miss. Yeah. I mean, there is an awful lot of that that is just mm. splash page and fighting and a bit of dialogue and then page after page of talking heads yeah and if there's any boot that I have a love-hate relationship with it's Ultimate Spider-Man mm. uh, as for the recent number one 
Stephen continues, I think it's one of the best comics I've ever bought. You guys covered its greatness. I just want to point out the double page spread in the backup story where Matt and Foggy walk through the streets of New York and various sources of things that trigger Matt's senses are highlighted. I spent ages on this page just lapping up the detail. And it helps that Marcos Martin's art was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, that Daredevil number one. Didn't I think that was better than any of the DC New You number ones? In the sense that it was doing everything that a good number one should. It wasn't ignoring what had gone on before. It wasn't saying it didn't happen. But it was saying, right, it doesn't matter if you've not read this book before. Now, this is where we are. We're going forward. And that's what I liked about it. It's still one of my favourite monthly reads. That that Captain America. Yeah. Because even with Captain America, it's just forget everything that happened before. It's not forget it. It is just, right, we're moving forward now. The whole Winter Store Soldier stuff's done, thankfully, and we're moving on. Because um, I did read somewhere Brubecker meant to kill him off earlier. Yeah. And people were just like, no, we like the Winter Soldier as Captain America. But didn't it get boring towards the it, end? It did, yeah. Yeah. I gave up and at the end. Yeah, well, I've, I said to you, then just skip it. I've not read any of the. He gets trials. killed yeah. off panel in a book that isn't the Captain America book. Just start at the new number one mm. and move on. Moving on to the Punisher. I rather like this version of the character, although admittedly I've only read the Welcome Back Frank trade paperback. The dark OTT humour initially worked well for the character, and Dylan's art kept things reasonably well grounded. You talk about how any should never write superheroes, and I will agree that he has a good deal of contempt for the concept of heroes and superpowers. However, this occasionally yields some interesting surprises. In the Ennis written Punisher ongoing that came between Welcome Back Frank and Max, there was an issue that consisted pretty much of Punisher kicking Wolverine's arse up and down New York, (laughs) using the ridiculousness of his healing factor and ability to take punishment as a weapon against him. It's obvious from reading the issue that Ennis hates Wolverine and relished giving him the treatment he feels he deserves. Of course, the Wolverine writer of the time, I want to say Frank Thierry, then had to take two issues of the Wolverine title to redress the balance. Um, yeah, there was an issue, what was it, where you spied him as a punching bag? Wasn't that one of Ennis' issues as well? Might have been. And it's just one of those where you think, look, Garth, you don't like him, I get it, don't use them, move on, just Mm. move along. Because it bugs me. I, I suppose we could do that to any number of Garth Ennis' current titles. Well, uh, well, what's he writing? He's only writing The Boys, isn't he? No, he's writing... And Jennifer Blood? Yeah, for Dynamite. For Dynamite. There's talk of going back and doing something at Marvel with Steve Dillon. Because mm. Axel Alonso's in charge now, isn't he? And he's, yeah. he's mates with Axel Alonso. I really enjoyed the Justice League episode. A couple of notes, as I'm sure has been pointing out, Kyle was Green Lantern for 10, not 20 years. Hal returned partly for the reasons you stated, but also due to the dwindling sales on Kyle's books, which withered under its final writer, Ben Raab, and also due to the marginalisation in the DCU where he was replaced on the Justice League, both the book and the cartoon, by Jon Stewart. No love for the post-Infinite Crisis Brad Meltzer Justice League number one? I would have enjoyed your views on Meltzer's multi-narrator storytelling device, which seemed to fail the tornado's path as a way of telling the story. All right. We completely forgot to yeah. cover Brad Meltzer's number one, didn't we? Did we? Yes. Completely right. slipped my mind when I was putting the books together to do it. Sorry about that. However, our thoughts on it, I thought that it was horribly confusing as a first read. The art was lovely. Yeah. But it really suffered. I didn't mind the cross-narration. I had no problem with that. The problem was I didn't know who was narrating what. And then, because of my, I'm not 
as deeply into the DC universe as into Marvel when he start referring to people as um, the first names well, rather than Red Tornado or whatever. I was like, who the hell's talking now? I, I'm, I'm okay with that, I suppose. Who's, who's, who's he talking to? Who's he talking about? Yeah. So it was only when I reread it yeah. that I liked it more. But I thought, as a first issue, number one, it failed miserably. Yeah. Which is a shame, because Brad Meltzer's a good writer. I prefer some of the later stuff, like Lightning Saga. Yeah. You like it, as it goes on, it does get better. Yeah, and we did cover one issue of that later on, didn't we? Where mm-hmm. Arsenal and somebody else get trapped in a yeah a cave, collapse building, yeah. which was good. So that was that was my thinking. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it failed as a way of telling the story. In so much as it, it fails won. on initial reading, yeah, and you do have to go back and read it all as one cohesive narrative, and then it stands up. But it wasn't a good number one on it, on its own. Keep up the good work. Can't wait for the strangely familiar nothing but the 90s. Would there be any room to cover some Hitman? Your show is fantastic, Steve. Oh, wow. uh, well, Steve, <laughs> if you've already listened to our Christmas episode, and I know that he has because he's already been on Facebook and slagged us off for using Cliff Richard, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I did deliberately. Did you? Yes. Right. I, did that. I did do that on purpose. <laughs> and I wanted to, to shoehorn in a feeling up Cliff gag. Did you? Yes. All right. Which I thought was great. Oh, so you planned ahead on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't just throw this crap together. Oh, no. Uh, Steve Lacey and I are teaming up. Hey, Kids Comics are packing out his 20-minute long box. Okay. We're, and we're going to do Fantastic Cast together. We're, we start at number one of the Fantastic Four and we work through the whole thing. Now, I know what you're thinking. And you're right. And you're right. But, Andrew, you said that everybody's comic book show just starts at number one and works through from there. And now you're doing one, you hypocritical bastard. And yes, yes, you're absolutely right. But Steve's doing all the heavy lifting, to be fair. He's doing all the hard work of designing the website and he's sorted out the email addresses and he's plugging the show left, right and centre. He's created a brilliant trailer for it and I just show up and talk crap and take the piss. Well, yeah. And that's pretty much my involvement in the show. (laughs) Give him some money every now and again for housing it and everybody's happy. So here's the trailer for our new Fantasticast podcast which is launching on January the 1st, 2012. The dawn of an age. The founding of a family. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've got to take that chance. Conditions are right tonight. Let's go. They're penetrating the ship. Our shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning up. Too heavy. Can't move. Too heavy. We're all alive. I feel so strange. You're fading away. I can't see you at all anymore. Look what's happened to you. You're changing. Oh, Reed, not you too. What happened to me? To all of us? I can fly. We gotta use that power to help mankind, right? And so was born the Fantastic Four. Or soon the mole man will have the entire world in his power. I am the mightiest living mortal on Earth. And half mankind shall feel that might. The Fantastic Four. Little do they dream they're the palms in the hands. The Human Torch will be the Puppet Master's next victim. You athletes can't change the way I can. Got me dying to those powerful cousins. I've been expecting you, for I am a thinker. I vow never to return, my lord, until the Fantastic Four are no more and the planet Earth is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Ralatons, King of Kings, Master of Men. 
and Lord of the Seven Sons. Fool, you're just a muscular freak. Blind or hope. Stop! You must not end on the castle of Diablo. My journey has ended. This planet shall sustain him until it has been drained of all elemental life. So, speak Galactus. Flame on! It's clobbering time! The Fantastic Four from the very beginning witness the origins of a legend. The Fantastic Forecast, ffcast.libsyn.com And we're back. What an excellent trailer that is. Indeed. Lots of cool people on that. Oh, very cool. Not least of all, Michael. Hello. Say flame on. Flame on. Say it in American accent. Flame on, y'all. <laughs> flame on, y'all. <laughs> Was he from Kentucky all of a sudden? Flame on, y'all. <laughs> and also, my lovely wife. Say hello, Angela. Hello. Who was Sue Storm, who didn't adopt an American accent. Why did you not do that, dear? Because I'm not American. Lack of effort. <laughs> did you also think, do you subscribe to the Sean Connery school of acting? Where the theory is, look, they've employed me, obviously, because they want me. Sean Connery, who played a Russian submarine commando with a Scots accent. Who played a Spanish immortal with a Scots accent. I'm not Scottish, though. I know, but you could have at least attempted an American accent. Yeah. Anyway. Keanu Reeves school. <laughs> Whoa. Let's play Keanu Reeves in every film. Yes, yeah, let's, let's not even bother attempting an accent. Uh, Luke Giaconetti returns <clears throat> with Numbers, the Night's Quest episode. Listening to the first Night's Quest episode, and I want to say that in American lingo, Numbers means a criminal racket, which is essentially an illegal lottery. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Players place bets through a bucket, and a random number is determined to decide the winning number. The winning number is usually determined by some independent source, such as the last digits in the windshield place, for a specific horse race at a certain track each day. I don't think numbers rackets are found very frequently outside of the US. No, I don't think they are. We, they, are they are mentioned an awful lot in stores like the A-Team and things, aren't they? Yeah. There's, there's done in stuff like that a lot. Uh, I must say, these Night's Quest episodes brought me right back to the same mindset as the Nightfall episodes. So strange that these issues have never been collected. Sounds like a prime candidate for binding. A trend over the last few years where comic fans make their own hardcover collections by buying the individual issues and having them bound like a library would bind magazines. Well, it's funny you should mention that, Luke. DC recently announced that they are collecting Night's Quest Mm -hmm. as a trade paperback. They're republishing Nightfall and presumably republishing Night's End to coincide with some movie that Chris Nolan's got coming out next summer. Alright. In which Bane is going to break the Batman. Oh, okay. I would like to take full credit for DC (laughs) deciding to do this. I would like to think that Dandy Deal sits in his office listening to our podcast going, reprint Night Quest. That's a damn good idea. (laughs) Those Brits know what they're talking about. And I would like to think that he ran straight down to the collected editions department, made them all listen to our podcast, and they all went, damn, that's a good idea. (laughs) These Brits know what they're talking about. Maybe they listened to us in uh, the DC headquarters. Yes, or better yet, they have us pumped over the speakers in the DC headquarters. I'd like to think all of that. But unfortunately, my ego isn't quite that large. And I do suspect that Christopher Nolan's film probably had more to do with it than we did. Yeah. 
but but it's nice to think mm. that maybe we had some small 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 part in it. Only a small part. Unlikely though it may be. <laughs> Luke continues, the issues you covered in this episode seem to continue the what I call the all-new, all-deadly Batman in the form of Jean-Paul Valli. You mentioned in the first issue you covered that he feels that no one can challenge him, which is very indicative of the mid-to-late-90s attitude in comics. It's not about protecting the people of Gotham City as it was for Bruce Wayne. For Valli, the entire reason he wants to be Batman is to rule the city and to put down any who might challenge him. I strongly got this vibe from the end of Nightfall, where he's more concerned with who rules the night than actually helping people. And it seems to continue here. Mere heroics was not enough in the 90s, it seemed. Concepts like protecting the innocent and enforcing the law were seen as naive and antiquated by best-selling characters like Wolverine, Punisher, Spawn and the Youngblood and their fans. And so Valley continues to espouse this mindset and takes it to the only logical conclusion it can have. Real quick, because I know you guys have a lot to cover, Only the Strong is actually a decent little martial arts movie dealing with the Brazilian fighting style called, and I am going to butcher this, Capoeira. It starred Mark Dacasos, whom you may remember as the chairman on Iron Chef America, all from his turn Dancing with the Stars. Mainly the attraction of Capoeira, I'm, I'm apologising for that. Scenes, as the art itself is very unique to see due to its origins, which I will not get into here. Thank you for the show and keep it up, Luke. Uh, yeah, because only the strong was advertised in one of the comics, wasn't it? I got back to him okay. about that, and he followed it back up with, yes, Dancing with the Stars is the American version of Strictly Come Dancing, and I imagine the British version is just as banal as the American one. Um, I, don't, I don't mind Strictly. Your, daughter, your sister likes it. My, my daughter, daughter, my daughter, Michael's sister likes Strictly because she's a dancer. Um, I don't, I don't mind it. Bruce Forsyth's rickety at this point. But <laughs> Counts in the days. Some of the costumes on the women are nice. Uh, Let's be honest. You've not seen that video, Chris showed me. No, there is no costume on the woman. Excellent. <laughs> Iron Chef America is an American spin-off of the older Japanese show Iron Chef, which I have no idea what Iron Chef is. Iron Chef is a head-to-head cooking competition. Oh, there you go. You yeah. the question. Where two chefs, along with two sous-chefs, have 60 minutes to prepare five dishes, each of which must utilise the day's secret ingredient. Yeah, they covered it on uh, Futurama. Did they? Yeah. One chef is the challenger, and the, other one is the iron- and the other one of the Iron Chefs is the culinary giants, who, in the theme, are the personal chefs of the chairman of Kitchen Stadium. Dakas Koss I'm butchering his name as well Chairman on Iron Chef America is the nephew of the Japanese chairman and he introduces the Iron Chefs introduces the secret ingredient and generally plays MC of all the cooking competition shows on the airwaves this is the granddaddy of them all (laughs) no clue with any of that it does kick ready steady cook in the teeth does it I I don't even know what Iron Chef is (laughs) I presume it's what Tony Stark does when he's hosting a party yeah but that could just be me the Japanese doing a cook show is it based on a Japanese show it is Japanese oh right okay fair enough I think it is anyway I'm sure oh yes yes he does mention that read your email Andrew since I have two Nightfall books and can get Night's End in the trade as well, I am seriously considering putting these Night's Quest books on my hunting list just so I can get the whole story. I thought Nightfall was excellent, save the Two-Face story, which was utter drivel. So I agree. I agree. So I am eager to read the rest of it. Take it easy, man, Luke. Right, thank you for that. <laughs> no clue about it, Jeff. Um... Um, you may as well just wait for the trade paperbacks now, Luke. Yeah. Now that it's certainly going to be a lot easier to read it in trade paperback, to be honest with you. Uh, Michael Bailey got in touch. In a nice confluence of events, I actually had today off and could listen to the latest episode of Hey Kids Comics. Not on the way to work, but while I was puttering around the house getting chores done. Because of this, I can actually sit my otherwise lazy ass down and make comments as I listen to the show. 
And here we go. And they're all bullet points now. I like most of Knight's Quest, so I'm glad you all are covering it. It is a damn shame that in this day and age of collecting everything to trade, hardcover, omnibus, etc., they can't get this story into a collected edition. I understand the monetary reasons. The contracts that creators signed from 1976 to about 1998 allowed the creators a certain royalty off of any reprinted materials, and the royalty made it cost-prohibitive for DC to reprint certain books, unless the creators would take a lesser royalty. But still... I'd like to see it. Yes, and you're going to get to see it. Thanks to us. <laughs> I'm going to wear that like a badge. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. We got Night's Quest published, even though it's blatantly Make untrue. T-shirts as well. <laughs> hey, Kids Comics, responsible for the republication of Nightfall. You don't have to thank us. <laughs> really? No, when you read some of that stuff, you really won't thank us. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Michael continues, an IRA in terms of banking is an individual individual retirement account. I can see where someone in England would see the letters IRA string together and think, wow, that's bad. (laughs) Because we thought he was recruited at the bank. (laughs) Oh, unintentional comedy. Uh, I like the Trigger Twins, but I can see why you think they're a bit silly. By the way, I believe they were in Blackest Night. Yes, I think we mentioned that, didn't we? They, yeah. they were in Black. Well done, Michael. Thank you very much. You're and we're actually... Tell the Michael, not you. Uh, you didn't remember them in Blackest Night. I'm not, I, I don't think they were in the main series. They might have been in the... Well, I, they must have been in one I read. Another tie-in? Possibly. They might have been in the Western one. They were actually killed in that James Robinson story, Face to Face, that was published in both Batman and Detectives, part of the One Year Later story. Face to Face was an amazing story where Robinson went through and killed off just about all the Batman villains created between Crisis and Infinite Earths and Infinite Crisis. Yes, he was being sarky, though. Was it? Yes. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, I didn't actually think they were silly. I think I took the mick a bit. Yeah. But I thoroughly enjoyed those Trigger Twins issues. Yeah. I really did. I didn't I pick that as one of my favourite bits. Mm-hmm. Well, they did the western pastiche on top of the train yeah. I, think I, I think I loved them um, I'm assuming that Bruce and Tim probably refit the well that Tim uses to get to the Batcave for their own purposes they probably dug a hole put a plastic or concrete lining of some sort along the bottom and sides like a swimming pool put in a device that allows the water from the well to drain into it and then when Tim hits a button on the other side the water runs back into the well making it appear to be functional it's probably similar to water features where you have what looks like a small waterfall in the garden where the water constantly cycles through Yes. God damn it, Michael, he should design the Batcave. Yes, he should. He'd be very good at designing the Batcave. Yeah. Michael puts more thought into that than we do. We just saw that and thought, we're taking the piss out of that. He, he does burn effort. Yeah, whereas Michael goes to the effort of thinking of an explanation. <laughs> we're just too lazy, yeah. inherently. It all comes back to Superman. Hey, that's my line. You can, you can have it. We only borrowed it. <laughs> we didn't do anything nasty to it. Oh, no. We didn't make a mess of it or anything. Well... Not much. Back in 2002, Michael continued, I bought an entire unopened box of milestone cards off of eBay for $15. I did this a lot around that time because the market for those cards is completely bottomed out and collectors and retailers alike were trying to unload them. The cards are quite neat and I still have a set lying around here somewhere. On a similar note, I did the same thing with the Bloodlines card series, which for some reason was promoted as a Superman series, even though he was room temperature. (laughs) I.e. dead. (laughs) At the time... Very funny. Uh, but this didn't stop Skybox and DC from using the cards. <laughs> I'm just going to laugh uncontrollably at that now. That's the one thing in this episode that set me off. <laughs> 
Oh dear. Uh, this didn't stop Skybox and DC from using the cards from that useless event to promote Reign of the Supermen. There was even a small mail-away card you could find that would allow you to get to the one true Superman card. Since I bought a box, I found two of these, but helped, But because it was 2002, there was no way I could mail away for it. Thankfully, eBay helped me out again, and I got one for like $3 with shipping a few years back. Not that it's anything to do with Night's Quest, but I just thought you might find it interesting. Yes, we do. I used to like Bat Train. Now I don't. I don't know whether to thank you or to be mad. Only time will tell. Um, oh, come on. Bat Train's up there with the Spider-Mobile, isn't it? It's just there to have the piss taken out of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, just just accept that it's it's goofy. Probably one of the few goofy things in um, Night's Quest. The high school that I went back in the early 90s required you to take a semester of driver's ed in the 10th grade. Oh, there you go. Okay. You could also, as an elective, take driver's training, which I believe took place after school and actually had students behind the wheel. They even had a small parking lot with lines painted on the concrete to show the driver how to pull off certain manoeuvres. Parallel parking, a K-turn, oh, etc. Right. I thought it was like... Drifts and no, no. I don't think they teach you to drive like they're doing too fast, too furious. Flips. <laughs> Although I'd be up for that. Yeah. Especially for if our, you've got a Dodge Charger. And for our next trick, we're going to teach you how to drive under a lorry. <laughs> yeah, a moving lorry. Yeah. And for the next one, we're going to teach you how to jump through a moving train. <laughs> oh, so down. Most insurance companies would give a lower rate to teenagers that took driver's training, which was probably a good thing, because my God, car insurance is high for a young driver. And I have to say that that is rightly so. The only really good thing about driver's ed to me were the bloody and most time funny as hell videos they would show us to scare us into being good drivers. (laughs) Was that one of those don't drive like this, you could be decapitated films that we like to take the mick out of? Regarding the ad for the Nightfall trading cards, were those trading cards or skycaps? I have no clue. I've not got the books out with me now. The reason I asked is that at the time, for lack of a better term, trading card rights for Batman were with tops. This is why there were no Batman or Robin cards in either the DC Cosmic cards or the DC Cosmic Teams trading card set. Oddly enough, Nightwing appeared, and they had to sidestep who he was. Skycaps were popular for about three minutes, so that's another reason I'm asking, because... And Michael is right. Everyone had a trading card set in terms of comic book in the early 90s. I even had a set, but they didn't sell all that well because no one would give a crap about a teenage comic fan that was awkward around women. (laughs) I don't believe you were ever awkward, Michael. I think you can talk to anybody about anything. The Ultraverse was a line of comics put out in response to Image. Whereas Image was all about the artwork, the Ultraverse was put together by a group of writers, including James Robinson, who wrote Hard Case, Gerard Jones, Steve Gerber, Steve Englehart, amongst others. It had a pretty solid fan base and even some breakout characters like Prime. Marvel bought the Ultraverse around 1994 and 1995, mainly because the Ultraverse books had this, at the time, cutting-edge colouring system. Marvel bought the company and the system and promptly swept all of the characters under the rug. (laughs) That's probably why I don't remember who they are. Mm. The Robin series was the most consistently awesome of the various Bat family books. I started picking up during Zero Hour and tracked backwards. Chuck Dixon defined Tim Drake. And while there were other writers that had a good handle on him, Dixon was the only one who seemed to understand him. I liked his supporting cast and the characters felt very real. Uh, That ended up probably being one of my favourite reads throughout the whole of the Night's Quest, the Robin book. Yeah. You're kind of lukewarm on that, aren't you? A bit. Yeah. I too like Demolition Man. Demolition's a great film. Okay. Demolition Man. I, I, I don't think I saw all of it. Brought it all. It's really fun. Tom Grummet is an awesome artist. Couldn't agree more. Only the Strong was a movie that combined two tropes of 90s American cinema. A teacher comes in and shows the bad kids that they have worth and cheesy martial arts. In this case, a teacher comes back from the military and teaches a bunch of down-the-wrong-path students a form known as... Oh, God, I have to say this again. <laughs> 
capoeira, capo, capoeira, a Brazilian martial art that looks a lot like dancing until the guy who is dancing in front of you is suddenly kicking your ass. It stars Mark Dacascos, who had a career that included the Double Dragon movie, as well as playing Eric Draven on the pretty awful Crow Stairway to Heaven television series. He made up for this by playing Manny in the awesome Brotherhood of the Wolf. Only the Strong is a typical martial arts film from the early 90s, and since I love those movies on a sad and pathetic level, I can't be too hard on it. And that's it for now. I know a lot of these comics had nothing to do... I know a lot of these comments had nothing to do with the comics, which I rather liked, but I figured the comments were worth making. As you would say, cheers, mate. Mike. I like that he says cheers, mate. Okay. I like that he says y'all. Yeah. I'm quite made up with that. Uh, Night's End and Robin is the subject heading of the next email, which is from Charlie Niemeyer, who does Superman in the Bronze Age. Okay. A podcast. Mike Bailey does a podcast as well. You may have heard of it. And um, Luke Giaconetti does Earth Defence Directorate. And he did this okay. week's Back to the Bins. Okay. Which gives you some indication of when we recorded this, if you're Luke Jack and Etta. Um, Andrew and Michael, said Charlie. First of all, I am enjoying your coverage of Night's End. As I think I've mentioned before, this is when I started getting into Batman comics, so it's a very nostalgic listening to you guys talk about them with your funny accents. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I quite like that. Okay. I, in seriousness, I do wonder how I, how, how, how I managed to talk. Wow. On a regular basis. I do wonder how our accents play in certain parts of the world. If you look at the download figures and stuff, we do yeah. have them all over the place. Okay. And I do wonder how, how people in, say, Japan well, uh, and America and, and such... Every week we should have a, a different accent. <laughs> I don't think we could pull that off. <laughs> I have a wide range of American accents, as we've known from listening to the show. Oh, yeah. All of them are crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you anyway, Charlie. Uh, since you mentioned it, Andrew, unless someone's already mentioned it to you, Chuck Dixon wrote the first 100 issues of Robin, plus issue zero and one million. Well, technically, he wrote the first half of issue 100, but I think you get my point. Keep up the good work, Charlie. Thank you very much. Uh, by a vowel from Luke Giaconetti, and they're listening to the Night's Quest episode 3 right now, and I just wanted to mention that the reference to by a vowel refers to the long-running game show Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune is almost always paired with Jeopardy in syndication, with the two shows forming an hour block from 7 to 8pm, typically on the ABC network. I know that doesn't mean anything to you. <laughs> Enjoying your coverage of Night's Quest and looking forward to future installments, Luke. Yeah, Dave Walker got in touch and mentioned that by a vowel was from Wheel of Fortune as well. Okay. Uh, Wheel of Fortune did get remade over here. Yeah. I want to say John Leslie hosted it, but I can't can't be sure about that. It was one of those shows on Challenge. No, it was on ITV. I think it got a proper primetime slot. I never watched it. Yeah. My knowledge of Wheel of Fortune comes from... There's an episode of The A-Team where Murdoch goes on Wheel of Fortune. Okay. And it's a really good episode because it's essentially it's just Murdoch and Face. Yeah. Hannibal and B.A. are burly in it. Okay. And it's a really good one because it's just those two. And I always liked Dirk Benedict and Dwight Schultz. So that's that's the beginning and end of my knowledge of Wheel of Fortune, yeah. an episode of the A-Team. Luke returned with Abaquest Part 5, I guess, the one with Abattoir, which I loved, because it means Abba even Quest. the listeners <laughs> lost track of what we were up to. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite as bad as us, no. one would imagine. Howdy, Leylands. Howdy, Luke. 
Things seem to be running off the rails for this story, huh? Maybe it's because I'm not reading along, but these issues, Batman 504 to 507 or so, sound extremely scatterbrained and goofy. That's because they were. <laughs> Almost as if the idea of Jean-Paul Valli had become that which initially the character was a parody of, the ultraviolet insane anti-hero. And then you toss in a bunch of Bloodlines characters and then you have a recipe of some really poor comics. Maybe it's not so bad that these issues have not been collected. DC doesn't agree. Uh, the search tie-in sounds somewhat better, but that may be a relative measure. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. I, I think I preferred the search to portions of the Crusade. The yeah. Crusade could have worked very well if they'd have been allowed to do some editing. <laughs> and it's one of those things where if they're going to collect it, I'm kind of torn. There's, there's the completest part of me that wants the whole thing. Yeah. Which is why I like that they're republishing No Man's Land. And yeah. they're, they're putting everything in. Whereas in the old ones, they didn't have everything in it. Right. But on the other hand, there is an awful lot of Night's Quest you could lose. Yeah. And it wouldn't make any difference. But whatever. Blue Chips is actually more a movie about college basketball recruiting more than Hoops itself. The basic premise is that Nick Nolte plays a basketball coach at a college program which is having trouble competing. So he eventually illegally recruits three major prospects, including Shaquille O'Neal, and finds success. But Ed O'Neill plays a sports writer who ends up exposing him. Worth watching, but I don't know if it's too American, for lack of a better term, for an international audience. Although it does have Murray McDonald from Battlestar Galactica in it. Okay. Fair enough. I was just more made up that Ed Al Bundy was in it. I quite like Al Bundy. You talked about episodes of TV shows as pilots for other shows. This is usually called a backdoor pilot. And while it does occasionally work, most of the time, it's a disaster. Check out this link to some really bad examples. And well, I did check out the link. We'll check out the link. I listeners at home wouldn't. Uh, it's on AV Club. Uh, articles, tonight's special guest, the cast of a whole new show. Dot. And that's where it ends. If you go to AV Club and search for it, I'm sure you can find it. It was quite an interesting article. They missed out some of the more egregious ones, like that two-part episode of Knight Rider that was a backdoor pilot. Okay. That I later found out only happened because David Hasselhoff was off on his honeymoon. Fair enough. You know what would have been much better for that one? What? Michael buggers off, and they give Bonnie the car. I'd watch the next episode of Knight Rider that had Bonnie driving the car. Okay. That's what I would. Or have the car just drive itself. Yeah. Have the car just go around solving missions on its own. Oh, God. That would have been It's crazy cool. to have that out of, out of me. Yeah, yeah, we don't need David Hasselhoff. Yeah. We're only watching for the Trans Am anyway. Keep up the good work, Luke. And then Luke returns with Night's Quest Part 6. Howdy, Leylands. I'm sorry, but a lot of these Night Quest books seem really tough going. Do you, I don't think they're as bad as we made them out to be. Oh, some of them are. Do you think? See, it's interesting in that. When you're reading something for pleasure and for fun, you're just reading it for pleasure and fun. But when you're reading it for a show like this, you do kind of have to tear it to bits a bit. Mm. And in doing that, it can take away from some of the fun. I thoroughly enjoy all of Nightfall. Night's Quest, Night's End, I enjoy the whole lot. Yeah. It's a rarity in American comics in that I did go to the comic book store every week while that story was going on. The only other time I'd done that was with The Death of Superman. Yeah. And I do enjoy it, but when you're doing it for this and you have to critically examine it, and I'm not saying we're the best critics in the world, oh. far from it, but some of it was pretty cack when you analysed it under a microscope that probably worked really well if you just sat and read it as a story. Mm. So, mm, there is a lot of that. 
A lot of these characters Luke continue just don't sound all that interesting or compelling. And then you couple that with an unlikable hero in the form of Jean-Paul and his internal struggle over which flawed life system to obey. At least after the death of Abattoir he becomes emboldened in his lethal methods and there's meat to that. The connective tissue back to the origins of Nightfall with the idea of a more lethal Batman. Yeah, see I'd go with that. I think if they didn't have to pad it out for three books over such a, a length of time they could have done it as a better story. Again, the novel is the way to go. The novel's brilliant. Uh, It seems like the inevitable fall from grace for Jean-Paul marks something of an uptick for these books. At least Jean-Paul is finally interested in saving the city instead of ruling the night. Of course, he's still going about it all wrong, so the writing still has to be on the wall for us as readers. And of course, the confrontation between Jean-Paul and Commissioner Gordon is something which is an obvious choice, but the right choice. You're no Batman is a great line, and the smashing of the bat signal is one of those dramatic moments which DC was known for in the mid-90s. In my mind, that's akin to Lois Lane cradling Superman's body, Bane pressing Batman over his knee, or the globe of the Daily Planet crashing down on Metropolis. All in all, the story of the Jean-Paul seems a bit trite to me. It's a story that needs to be told in order to demonstrate the effectiveness of Batman classic, but the outcome seems somewhat predictable. Maybe the balance of the story will surprise me. Keep up the good work, dudes, Luke. Hmm... I don't disagree with any of that. Okay. I do think... There's a part of me that thinks that introducing Chandra Kinsolving into the storyline so early with her miraculous healing ability... Yeah. She should have just had a large neon sign above her said that red plot device, yeah. shouldn't she? And it was, it was a foregone conclusion from that point that she was going to play a role in it. But we, we, did, we gave her a full rundown on the whole thing in the last episode of Night's Quest, so we don't want to continue to bang on about Batman no (laughs) Uh, our next email is a fantastic one okay it's from Gabrielle Jimenez uh, and it's just titled Hey Kids Comics Uh, I've just found your podcast through Two True Freaks so once again that promo is is paying dividends thank you Scott thank you Chris (laughs) for playing it and anyone else who plays it thanks very much Uh, your promo was sufficiently silly to make me remember the name as do I and later on a particular mention in an episode of those I looked the podcast up and was very much hooked given the topics of your shows and I've now gone back and listened to quite a few of them not in much of an order as I've listened to some couch potato relaunches I'm currently going through nightfall that's fair enough Um, yes I wore that like a badge yeah your promo is sufficiently silly. We did have made that t-shirts yeah. of that. Sufficiently hey, it's comics. Sufficiently silly. <laughs> I'm really proud of that. Yeah. That our promo's silly. As a Monty Python fan, I'm made up with that. <laughs> Thank you, Gabriel. Uh, I will admit that part of your podcast charm is the fact that you guys are British and we're nothing if not charming. Mm. Uh, I'm a sucker for your funny little accents. <laughs> they delight me no end. <laughs> very much we put a lot of effort into I have these a strange thought of him sat at home replaying <laughs> I rewind and go what the hell are they saying yes huge pluses are the father son angle the fact that you guys get along so well makes me suspect there's a bit of an act going on the funny banter and the topics you cover in the comics knowledge no no act no. this is pretty much how we we get along isn't it mm-hmm. for the most part we don't have you on tape being a, a strappy teenager <laughs> 
which I think is an episode that we should do. (laughs) Michael turns off in a strop because he's 16 and miserable. But no, for the most part, this is pretty much us, isn't it? As a rule. Um, We'll also admit that I imagined a lot more singing. Oh, I can't get enough singing. Can't say I'm very disappointed to find this isn't the case. (laughs) You and Michael both. Yeah. I'm listening to the relaunch episode dealing with Justice League number one, and I am thrilled. That run is one of my all-time favourites in the world. I love it. Great work on acting out Batman's dialogue. Swear to me. We promised somebody on Facebook we wouldn't do that again, didn't we? Yeah, it's getting old. Yeah. Oberon as a little Irish man is quite a funny concept. (laughs) Well done, Mike. (laughs) Gonna go now, as it's getting late and lots of work left to do, which you guys help me go along easy. Oh, thank you very much. I do like it when people say that. Keep up the great work. Very much looking forward to listening to the rest of your shows. Greetings from Gabriel in Tijuana, Mexico. So wait a minute. A yes. Mexican said our accents were funny. <laughs> I love that. That's another t-shirt. Hey, kids, comics. Accents are funny. <laughs> Thank you very much. I loved that email. Yeah. I was made up with that one. P.S. Are you guys into football? If so, what teams do you like? Is Shikarato a big over there? You can take that one. I, I, I'm not into football. I'll support England in the World Cup, um, but for the most part, I'm not that bothered. No. Uh, Viva Mexico Cabrones is how he ends his email, which okay. was brilliant. I like that is one. Is Chicharito big over here? I don't, I don't know what it is. Me neither. <laughs> so I can't answer that question. But thanks for listening, Gabriel. We love that, don't we? Uh, yeah. Excellent. Night Quest was the heading of the next one by Tom Panaris. Andrew and Michael, I'm really enjoying your coverage of Night's Quest. It's bringing back a lot of great memories of when I was a teenage comic collector and would rush to my local comic shop each month to pick up each of these books as well as whatever was hot at the time. By the way, I agree with Andrew that the Tim Drake Robin was one of the best written teenage heroes, especially at the time the Robin series came out. It was one of my favourite books at the time. In fact, I think I wrote to the letters column a few times. Oh, excellent. Anyway, the, you deliver... Anyway, you keep deliberately mispronouncing Dumas as Dumas, and I can't help but think of this commercial. Keep up the great work, Tom. And he provided a link to a YouTube advert, which I've watched, I'm presuming you haven't. No. No. Of um, a guy attending an interview, and he keeps calling the guy Mr. Dumas. (laughs) (laughs) So needless to say, he doesn't get the job. It was was quite funny. One of those adverts that we didn't get over here. Our next email was from Sean Engel. Joe Anthrax again. Dear Andrew and Michael, sorry for the lateness of the contribution to your podcast. Around the holiday season, Thanksgiving in particular, I like to give a little back to some of the shows and I'm thankful for riding with hours of entertainment. But realising that Brits don't celebrate Thanksgiving, I figured you could hold out for a week or so and we can call it Christmas donation or Boxing Day or Life Day or Hogsmeade Day or whatever bizarre British holiday you choose to dance around Stonehenge to. <laughs> I wasn't going to read that one. Yeah. Because he, he he was just basically he gave us a donation as we've mentioned and it was very much appreciated and thank you very much. But I loved that bit about Hogsmeade Day. <laughs> do we have a Hogsmeade Day? They're doing Harry Potter. Oh, right. But I like the idea of dancing around Stonehenge yeah. because that involves naked women doing that. Yeah. And I'm down with that. It involves naked dudes. Yes. Well. So thank you very very much. We really did appreciate your donation. And finally, which brings us oh no we've two more emails sorry the next one is from Ben Rush who we also mentioned in our Christmas show was sending us an email. Having done the Christmas show, we're now going to tell you what that email was. He sent us a list um, of shows that had done Christmas episodes for us to do audio commentaries from. Um, 
is sticking to about 20 years ago to make it easy for both of us. Also sticking to stuff that's been seen over here, so no super friends. Also because less likely to get some notes from our American cousins about something I missed. The list, not as many as I thought. Christmas with the Joker, which was Batman the Animated Series, and Holiday Nights, which was also done as a comic, which is why we decided to do that one. Static Shock Frozen Out, which I don't think I've ever seen. Justice League Comfort and Joy which I don't think I've ever seen, even though I've got all the Justice League cartoons. I'm still working my way through that. Smallville Lexmas Season 5, which I think I have seen, but I don't remember anything about. Sure. Lois and Clark did Season Greetings in Season 1, and it was the night before Miximus in Season 4. I think I vaguely remember enjoying the Mr. Mixes Pitlick one. Yeah. Because I like Mr. Mixes Pitlick. Batman Brave and the Bold Invasion of the Secret Santas, which I've not seen. I thought it was naff. Was it? I've not seen that it one. It had Red Tornado in and a Red Tornado. I, I think it was the one where he had a son or a daughter and he went all stroppy and teenagerish and he's just like, oh, let's all celebrate Christmas together. Right. Well, he's not saying if it's any good. Yeah. He's just saying this was a Christmas episode. You put it in bold and one of the next Oh, well, maybe that was just a, a mistake. I don't know. And the film Batman Returns. We couldn't be bothered doing a full film, could we? Yeah. So, thank you very much. Have a happy Christmas, say Ben. So, thank you very much for that, Ben. Uh, we, you know what we chose to do mm. at this point. And finally, our final one is from somebody called Timothy. Uh, I, I presume it's Timothy Munro, based on his email address, but I could be wrong about that. This came in on the 9th of December, and it was just labelled feedback. For a while... Oh, <coughs> start again. Hello, Andrew and Michael. For a while I've heard both Michael Bailey and Scott Gardner mention your show and finally got around to listening for myself. I have to say that you two always produce an entertaining show and that the banter you have back and forth provides a nice laid-back format. One of the many reasons I enjoy your show is that while Andrew is the esteemed reader with a wealth of knowledge... (laughs) Being 17 myself, I am going to ignore laughing at what is quite obviously an accurate statement... Being 17 myself, I can relate to Michael's modern perspective. I have now subscribed to your show and I'm currently going through the back episodes. I just wanted to thank you for the quality programme and say keep up the good work. Best wishes, <laughs> Timothy. Thank you very much, Timothy. Well, we, knowledge. We appreciate <laughs> your obvious, obvious class in recognising quality when you hear it. So that's it for emails. We're, we're caught up with emails now, so if you want to email us, we may do another one of these at some point in the future. Uh, <laughs> starting next week in the new year, we're going to come back with a new year show where we both have a look at recent purchases mm-hmm. from Thought Bubble that we went to, yep. and possibly some Christmas presents or stuff that we, we got each other. I say each other, Michael probably didn't buy me jack. I don't have money. Get a job, you lazy workshop fop. There isn't any jobs for them, isn't there? No. But mainly because I do like those shows. I do like it when people tell you what they've got, because I think it makes for interesting, mm. an interesting patchwork show. You can just sit there listening and think, oh, that's crap. Yeah, or they can say, oh, that sounds... Or you may turn somebody on to something they've not listened to. Yeah. Underworld Unleashed, I'd never read before okay. Michael Bailey mentioned how good it was, and I'm currently watching it on eBay. Okay. So that's something you go back in. The Flash series and the Green Lantern series from the 90s, never read them. Yeah. And enough people have said, no, no, they're really good. That I've pretty much completed the Flash now, haven't I? Yeah. I'm about three or four, five, somewhere around the half a dozen issues short of completing the entire run. Um, also in the new year, we sat down. Listen, we actually did sit down and write longhand. Well, that's it now. Well, I sat down. And we did a list of stuff that we've not even mentioned in the year that we've been doing the show. We've not covered Perez's Wonder Woman, which was a request on Facebook. Uh-huh which I'm interested in covering, because we've not covered any women at all. 
I wouldn't mind doing some of Peter David's Supergirl, yeah. uh, some of John Byrne or Dan Slott's She-Hulk, some of that, any of that stuff. We've not covered any of that. Uh, we want to do Secret Wars. You want to do Secret mainly Wars. Mainly because I suspect that will cause some friction, <laughs> and that always makes for a good show. We've not done any Nightwing, and I love Nightwing, but yeah. your, your argument is it's a bit too close to Batman. Yeah, and we've been avoiding Batman, we're trying to avoid See, Batman. See, I would argue he's, he's, he's a completely different character. But it, so, it counts as a spin-off. Yeah, well, I would like to do some Nightwing, but we'll see what happens with that. We've never done Marvels or Kingdom Come, which I would like to do, because I haven't read Kingdom Come since it came out, and yeah. I remember thinking it was a bit meh. It's alright. But you, you quite like it, don't I you? I like the art. We definitely want to do Flash The Return of Barry Allen. Yeah. The Mark Wade one. Oh, right. From the 90s. No, it's not, awesome. Not a final crisis. No, it's fantastic. Right. It's really good. Uh, we've never done any Wolverine mm. or the X-Men. So there's, there's plans on doing something with them. I would love to do some of Burns Alpha Flight because I love Burns Alpha Flight. You want to do some Red Hulk. Yeah. Which we're made up on. I may do the Bionic Man, the new Bionic Man series, but Scott Gardner has gone in touch via Facebook. Hi, Scott. And asked, would I be interested in doing that with him? Right. So I would be interested in doing that on Two True Freaks. Okay. If nothing else, so we could talk about the pilot episode as well. But we can do it as well if you want to. Okay. I'm sure Scott and Chris <laughs> wouldn't mind having you also if we can get a set of headphones that work. Yeah. You always feel a bit left out when I do other shows, don't yeah, you? Yeah. We definitely want to do a couple of issues of IDW's new Star Trek series. Okay. Comparing it to the show that it's adapting. Yeah. Uh, you want to do Brightest Day. Yeah. You've mentioned you'd like to do some Flex Mentalo. When we have when it. When it comes out. Or maybe just the issue from Doom Patrol. Yeah. Anything else you've mentioned that you'd like to have? have a, uh, you're just happy to go along, aren't you? Yeah. Fair enough. We will definitely be doing Night's End probably around the time that The Dark Knight Rises comes out because we are whores <laughs> and we will try and tie the show into, um, into popular events of the day, which means we will definitely be doing Spider-Man Month mm-hmm. when The Amazing Spider-Man hits. We have a list here of loads of my favourite Spider-Man stories. We're going to have to whittle that list down. Because mm. at the moment it's got on Spectacular Spider-Man number two, the magazine, the death of George Stacy, the Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man issue with the Ringer, the Marvel team-up issues with White Rabbit, some untold tales of Spider-Man, the Hobgoblin arc, Spectacular Spider-Man 200, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, the Black Cat arc, Death of Gene DeWolf, Amazing Spider-Man 73 through 75, one thirty-one through 33 the, the introduction of the Punisher annual number 18 issue 300 Spider Island and Michael would like to do one more day or brand new day or which no, I, I only put it on there to annoy you because you didn't like it yeah but that, that's a good reason to do it okay. that's a good reason to do it it's, so, it's good sometimes to do something you don't like yeah to go through why as long as it doesn't just turn into this sucks this sucks I, I, I thought it sucked but I thought it was alright did you? It was a sucky alright thing. Okay, well, we met those, so there's the list of what's coming up. Uh, I think we should pat ourselves on the back at this point. Okay. We've been doing this show for one year now, and have not missed a week. Okay. Unfortunately, that will change in March and April, where we're going to miss an entire month. Are we? Yes, because we won't be here. Can we not record loads beforehand? If you want to put the effort in, yeah? Uh. You could do the filth then. Okay. Where you do all the synopsis in and the writing, and I just have to read it and talk. And right. we could record all of them, and they could go up while we're not here. Okay. Okay. So I hope you will continue to listen. Thank you very much. I hope that you will check out Fantastic Cast that Steve, Lacey, and I are going to do together. Uh, check out Steve's uh, podcast as well, 20 Minute Long Box. Check out everybody that we've promoted. 
I also want to say to people, uh, if you have a podcast and you have a promo or a new promo, send it to me. A lot of the shows that I promo in the show, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense, have gone the way of the dodo. So I can't include those promos anymore. So if you've got a promo that you want me to include, I will do. I'd be delighted to. There's also talk of us moving the show at some point in the new year to a dedicated server. Because a lot of people have got in touch and said that they're trying to go back and listen to old episodes and they're not there anymore. And that is basically just a cost issue. I've had to delete some old shows to make room for new shows because I just didn't have the money to pay another £135 to boost up our space. So we are talking with a friend of ours about doing it the way Michael Bailey does it, which is having it on our own servers. And all the episodes will go up there. And it is just a case of finding out how the RSS feed works and how you stream an embed. Because we get an awful lot of listeners who just listen to it through the computer yeah, rather than downloading it. And I don't want to lose those people because okay. they're obviously a big part of our audience. And we love our audience, don't yeah. we? Okay, no, that's it for 2011. We'll be back in 2012 with all new shows. We're not going to say what we're going to kick off with after we've done our This Is What We Got. Mm. This is what we're talking about. Uh, I'm halfway through making notes. <laughs> Michael's just like, oh, yeah, just God, yeah. No worries. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, have a good and safe uh, new year. Because Christmas is gone Mm. when this goes up. And we'll see you in 2012. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production, and all opinions expressed by Michael and Andrew in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and probably not to be taken too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are copyright the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money for this, much to their chagrin. New episodes drop every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com, but you can also listen through our Facebook page, which you can friend us on by using Hey Kids as the first name and Comics as the second name. You can also listen on our website, where you can also view the covers of the comics we've covered this week. That's www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. If you have an opinion on our opinions, you can email us on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks.com, where you can drop by and say hello if you're allergic to email. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics. Mm-hmm.